All right, I thought we could start off uh, with some prayer this morning. Prayer is good. So why don't you close your eyes and join me? Thank you, Lord, for this awesome church, each wonderful individual that's here. We pray, Lord, that the word you've given me this morning would speak straight to their hearts. May I say things in the way that the people here need, need to hear them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So last week, Cody talked about why read the Bible um, and the Bible's importance in getting to know the person of Jesus. So this week, I'd like to build on that foundation and pose the question, why use the Bible? Fortunately for us, Jesus tells us why to use the Bible. In Matthew 7.24, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Wow, high stakes, huh? Um, from this, Jesus is telling us it's foolish to not build his life on his word, um, or our lives on his word, and wise to build our lives on his word. So Jesus actually likens building our lives on his world, word <laughs> to our worlds and our lives being indestructible. Indestructible, like the house built on the rock. Pretty amazing. I think if you really think that through, we would all go, yep, I'll take the life that's indestructible, thank you, over the one that gets washed away. But where to start? How can we possibly go about building our lives on God's word? It can seem like such an abstract concept. Um, I often still feel like, probably less now than I previously have, but um, very confused about where to start with the Bible. I'll spend ages like Bible shopping at Koorong and find the prettiest Bible I can. And I'm guilty of this. I did it yesterday, got another Bible. See, <laughs> but they had 20% off, just so it's okay. Um, so I was hoping, you know, that the perfect translation would just, you know, oh, just, just cut, make it get in my head, Jesus. I know there's good stuff in here and I just really don't know where to start. Um, I knew some stories, Bible stories from C3 Kids. Um, I knew popular verses and could generally like remember a few words of each popular verse, enough to be able to Google it, followed by a Bible verse, and then find the Bible verse. So it works, it's a good idea <laughs> if you're looking for something. Um, I would sometimes try like a flick and point, like, God, if you really want to speak to me, like you'll tell me something, like my finger just landed on a map, 
but you're God, so you should be using your word to speak to me. Yes, I've done that. Um, <clears throat> I remember being shocked when Pastor Chris talked about like the Bible wasn't actually written by God. I was like, what? What are you telling me? Like, I've spent my Christian life thus far being told how important the Bible was, and if it's written by people, like, I'm not going to read that. Like, I could just read a novel or something. Um, but then he talked more about, you know, the history of the Bible and how it's God-breathed and God-inspired and how it was all put together perfectly over hundreds of years in history and how each book, you know, is related to another and prophecies about Jesus all came true. And then I was like, okay, I'll read it. Um, uh, I often find the historical content of scriptures just so far removed from my uh, personal understanding. I was like, I don't know anything about farming. Jesus goes on so much about farming and about fish, and I don't know anything about either of those things. And so I'd worry about misinterpreting what I'd read, and then I'd buy yet more books <laughs> to be like, I need to know exactly the meaning of this, which is good. Don't get me wrong, that's it's not a bad thing. Um, but then that would generally lead me on a downward spiral like, I haven't been to Bible college. I should really go to Bible college. I don't have the time or money to go to Bible college. Maybe God wants me to quit my job and go to Bible college. Um, but <laughs> it soon became apparent to me um, that reading and applying the Bible to my adult life was not only a good idea, but imperative for my survival and well-being. <clears throat> so... As I struggled in a fight with anxiety and depression, declaring God's word became essential in pulling down heaven to earth and overcoming my battle. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> mm. So my favorite verse in this time and to this day is 2 Corinthians 10.5. So in the NIV, it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And even better um, is in the message version where it said, says, the world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live out or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. We use our powerful God tools for smashing what philosophies tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God and fitting every loose thought, emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. So I hope you love that verse as much as I do. <laughs> um, but as we can see from these verses, God's word is not meant to just be lived and followed like us just trying our best to, to live a good Christian life, but his word's actually meant to be wielded as a weapon. So what are these weapons that God gives us? In Ephesians 6.14, it says, Stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, I'm going to show you how I get dressed in the morning. So, try not to get too worried. Let's all pretend. I'm not going to, like, undress and dress again. Um, so, you know, like I said before, I was desperate. And who knows when we're desperate? That tends to be when we start praying really well. Um, and we'd have to develop a routine for ourselves. So my prayer in the morning goes something like this. It goes, I thank you, Lord, for the helmet of salvation. I pray, Lord, for an army of angels around my mind today. I have the mind of Christ. I thank you that the blood of Jesus has healed my mind and purchased my freedom. And then I'll go, thank you, Lord, for the breastplate of righteousness. I am seated at your right hand in heaven. The devil is beneath my feet. I am the head. I am not the tail. I am above. I am not below. And then I'll kind of grab my pyjama pants because I'm usually still in my pyjamas at this stage and pretend I have a belt on. And I go, thank you, Lord, for the belt of truth, that your spirit of truth would fill me today and lead me and guide me into all truth. And I go, thank you, Lord, for the shoes of peace, that you would lead me beside peaceful streams today, Father, that I would be ready to share the gospel of peace at any and every opportunity. And then I get my shield. I go, thank you, Lord, for the shield of faith with which I can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then I pick up my sword. I go, thank you, Lord, for the sword of the spirit. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warp philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God and fitting every loose thought, emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. So that's how we actually, we we need a posture. We need a fighting posture when we're actually declaring the word of God over our lives. Because let me tell you, my prayers have not been like that every day. You know, sometimes it's been kind of a whinge from the couch as I've like finished my toast. Thank you, Lord, for the helmet of salvation. And I can tell you, (laughs) those days are definitely less victorious. And, you know, why is that? Has God changed? It's, no, God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, I actually just haven't taken up my armor and wielded the weapons he gave me properly. Um, So as my message is about the Bible, I want to focus on one particular piece of his armor, the sword of the spirit, which we just learned is the word of God. So my close friend Lisa Bevere makes this comparison. (laughs) God's word is actually a God sword. Do you see what she did there? Taking the apostrophe S, making the word sword. I think that's pretty amazing. Just let that sink in. So what would change in our lives if we started seeing God's word as a God sword? 
Imagine if you met the rough circumstances in your life with, hang on, just going to go and get my God sword. Like, if you said that in front of someone who didn't know what you're talking about, they'd probably run. Like, I don't want to see a God sword. <laughs> How terrifying. Um, uh, Lisa Bevere um, also says that God's eternal creative word in your mouth is a living, invincible sword in your hand. Let's read that again. God's eternal creative word in your mouth is a living, invincible sword in your hand. So here we see that our God sword needs to be spoken and heard to fully wield the power it holds. Romans 10.10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And I think, you know, that verse is often used as a, you know, salvation, you know, scripture, like we've got to speak aloud our profession of faith to be saved, which is totally true. Um, But you could also apply it to your life on an everyday basis. In the battles you face, if you speak the word, you will be saved from your battle. So in his own temptation in the wilderness, Jesus spoke the word of God to the devil. When Satan came to torment Jesus, he responded with, it is written. Even Jesus, who was himself the word of God, spoke the word of God to the devil. In Matthew 4.3, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God... Command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and... In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Pretty amazing, huh? That Jesus needed to use the word of God to stop Satan at every point. Also, as you may have noticed, the devil's objective in this passage is to try and mess with Jesus try and make him forget who he is and what he was called to do. Our fight is no different. The enemy also speaks lies to us. Jesus tells us about Satan, that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, I wonder today what lies the enemy has spoken to you to try and rock the core of who you are. Maybe yours goes something like mine. So now I'm really, really going to hear some of what goes on in my head. Um, you're not skilled enough for that job. If you got it, you'd probably flounder around all day not knowing what you're doing. Then you'd want to quit because you'd hate it. Or you've tried overcoming that temptation so many times now. Yes, God is powerful, but he can't make you do anything. You've got free will and you keep choosing the wrong thing. It's better not to try because then you won't be able to fail at it again and people won't see you fail again. Mm. So I'm sharing these thoughts, these lies, with the hope that it helps someone here today. Perhaps these are a wonderful imitation of the lies the enemy speaks to you. But perhaps you're wonderfully secure and speak the word of God all the time in your head, in which case I'm thinking you're probably not human. So definitely need to pray for you later. But um, like with Jesus, the enemy's primary objective is to mess completely with our heads, make us forget who we are, create so much confusion, panic, anxiety, that you lose your way completely. In John 10.10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. So, if we are to win this war in our minds, our response each and every single time needs to be speaking the word of God. In Ephesians 6.10, in the message, it says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. Woohoo! So, hopefully, uh, that's inspired you. But if you're still asking, like my C3 Kids audience often asks me, but how? Uh, I'd like to leave you with a few practical tips for accessing and using the word of God in your life. I'd encourage you to start with what you know. If you know part of a Bible verse, Google those words, like I said before, followed by Bible verse, and you'll find it generally leads you <laughs> to the Bible verse. I then write down scriptures. Um, I have a small like notebook that mine go in now, but at one point I had cue cards, and then if I was having a particularly rough day, I would take the cue cards with me, put them in my pocket, 
And then at work, if I was like alone in the kitchen or something, I'd pull them out and read them or I'd lock myself in the toilet. And if there was no one else in the toilets, I'd say them out loud. And then as someone else came in, I'd stop. But um, that is a very good fight strategy (laughs) if you're looking for one. Um, Find different translations of a verse that speaks to you and write them all down. Um, memorize them, speak them aloud to yourself. Um, A friend of mine um, recently said to me, she's like, I like to memorize key passages for myself because I have this strange fear that one day someone's just going to like burn all of the Bibles in the world (laughs) and like get rid of you version. And so then I absolutely know that that is within me. And that I can pull that out anytime I need it. And I thought, what a good way to think about it. Like, very unlikely all our Bibles are going to be burnt or the version app won't exist anymore. But her, her strategy for life was to really memorise and repeat to herself the key passages that spoke to her. Um, I like to read books that enhance my understanding of the scriptures I read or do Bible app devotions. Um, Sometimes I find the descriptions written in the Bible study Bible at the bottom of the page really helpful or I use a concordance. Um, But my biggest tip would be to get help. (laughs) So get people around you who know and use the Bible or want to know and use the Bible and encourage each other. So, um, for example, in our dinner party this week, we were talking about perhaps those of, those of us who want to can do like an extra Bible study and, and talk about scriptures together and then bring back to the dinner party and share what it is that we found. So, you know, get people around you who can help speak the word into your life, especially if you're feeling too weak from the battle or just lost and and at a loss of knowing where to start. So the possibilities are really quite endless. Um, So think about what's going to be a good first step for you. Maybe think of one lie the enemy is speaking to you. Maybe it's something about your job, your personality, uh, your looks, anything. And think of one scripture that you can replace that lie with. If you don't know, find someone you trust. Tell them the lie and say, what do you think? What do you think would be a good scripture? As I finish today, I'd love to pray with you that you would begin a journey of knowing and using the word of God in your life. Thank you, Jordan. Why doesn't everyone stand? Close your eyes, lift your hands. Dear Lord, I pray for everyone here today that they would take up arms and wield their God swords. That people would begin to eliminate the lies of the enemy with it is written that the people in this church would be victorious warriors as your eternal creative word in their mouths becomes a living, invincible sword in their hands. 
Thank you, Lord. For those of us feeling lost this morning, Father, may you speak words of direction. For those of us believing lies, maybe we've believed them for far too long, Father. We pray that with your help, we can begin to replace them with the truth. Lord, help us lean on those around us and, and read the Bible in community. You never intended that we'd have to figure it all out on our own. And we thank you, Lord, for those surrounding us, our family, people we might talk to in the cafe after church, people in our dinner parties. We pray, Lord, that we would be able to speak life-affirming words, the Word of God into each other's lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. <laughs> um, so I'd also like to give an opportunity for those today who don't know Jesus and want to know him to pray a prayer and to invite him into your life. Perhaps this victorious warrior sword is exactly what you need, but you don't, know, don't have it and don't know how to get it. I'm here to help you, to ask Jesus to be into your, in your life so that you can use his word and have victory. If this is you, in a minute, I'm going to get you to raise your hand when everyone's eyes are closed um, so that I can see it. Then as a church, we will all pray together aloud. Then I would ask you to come and talk to me or one of our team afterwards so that one of us can pray with you and give you a Bible. Can I ask everyone to close their eyes right now and bow your heads? If you'd like to ask Jesus into your life for the first time, or you want to reaffirm this decision afresh today, please raise your hand. Okay, let's all pray together. Repeat after me, dear Jesus, please come in and be in my life. I want to leave behind the lies that bombard my mind and use your word to speak the truth instead. I want to live a victorious life with you. Amen.